Hallelujah. Come on, God is good. I want to share something with you. Say, it's a prophetic word. Everybody say, it's part B of last week. So it's pity you weren't here last week. But anyway, so um, one of the things that God promised was right through the Old Testament in the worst of the worst times, over and over again, in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, God began to speak about a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. It was something new. And it was in the worst time. It was a dark time in the history of Israel. And God said, do you not perceive it? In other words, he was saying, can you not see it? In other words, look through your darkness, look through the worst of the worst, and I want you to see that I am busy. And that song that we sang this morning, though you can't see it, you know, I'm moving. Though you can't feel it, I'm moving. And God said, you don't perceive it, but the old is passing away, and I don't even want you to consider and remember the old. And a lot of the stuff they were going through was their doing, you know. And so even their history, even their failures, God was saying, I don't want you to pay attention to it anymore, because behold, I'm doing a new thing. So I said it to you last week, and I'm saying it to you again this week. Though you can't feel it, though you can't see it, God is moving, and God is doing a new thing. And he said, even now, it is springing forth. And so, you know, signs maybe that this thing springing forth maybe was just a bump in the ground where the plant was beginning to grow, you know? And uh, the way farmers' eyes can see when the, the crop is pushing through, even before they see any greenery, they see the, just the lifting of the soil. And God was saying, even now, it's springing forth. So I want to tell you that it won't be long, and the COVID thing is going to be erased from our memories because of the glory of what is coming. Because the new thing that God is going to do. And I want to give you scriptures for it this morning. So much so that God said over and over again, way into the New Testament, right into the book of Revelation, behold, I do a new thing. And then he said, the former heavens, the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there's a new heaven, new earth. And then God said, in keeping with that, I'm going to bring about a new commandment. I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to open a new and living way. In fact, so much so that I'm going to make you new creatures in Christ Jesus. There was a new kingdom on earth. There was a new priesthood on earth. There was a new house of God on earth. There was a new temple of the Holy Spirit on earth. And behold, all things became new. Amen. And then we touched on Psalm 92 verse 10 where David said, you have poured fresh oil upon me. And another way of saying it is you've poured new oil upon me. Because when God does something, He works with a plan, He works with a purpose, He works with a goal. God has got a vision for this planet. We are not stumbling along at the will of people who are manipulating the system. Whatever the theories they are, and I'm sure there's a lot of truth in them, it really doesn't matter because the kingdoms of this world shall belong to our God and to His Christ. Amen? So God is working with a plan, and He said over and over again, five or six times, as surely as I live, the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I believe we're going to start to see things that we've never seen before. I believe they're going to come up with inventions they've never seen before. I believe, come on church, that you are going to have opportunities that you've never had before because of the new thing that God is doing. And we need to be positioning ourselves for it. So I want to talk about this new day. Amen? But I want to prefix it by saying, good morning, church. Amen? Good morning. Because the thing that I want to just touch on is I believe it will be a new day. And the day begins basically with the morning. And in the Hebrew mindset, that can be any time up until lunchtime. However, let's just not complicate things. Let's keep it to a morning, to a new day. Very often, how many of you are morning people? I'm a morning person. And there's something fresh, something wholesome. There's something beautiful about the morning. And, uh, you know, oxygen levels are high. The bird song in the morning that awakens things in the ground, scientifically proven. You know, the trees have exhaled a lot of oxygen that we can breathe in. And so there's something invigorating. There's something new about a morning, just physically, just talking naturally. But there's a biblical and a spiritual parallel as well. When you come to a new day, when you come to a new morning, God is doing something new, and it's refreshing and invigorating, and it's new. Hallelujah. Amen. So I believe there's going to be new inventions, new opportunities, new creations, new ways of doing business. There's going to be a lot of new things that we just need to position ourselves. So morning 
talks and tells us and speaks of the beginning of a new set of activity. The evening in the Bible, if you go through the Bible and you do a study of it, the Bible talks about just natural morning and evening, but it becomes symbolic of things as well. And so the evening is the cessation, the stopping of activity, because it's now your work is done. And so that's got a, a whole lot of significance to it. And, you know, there's all these verses that we can have a look at. But some of the scriptural references to night, you know, to darkness is amazing. For example, in the original, right in the beginning, when God was about to create the earth, it was dark. The Bible says the earth was formless, void, and darkness was over the deep. And darkness there became symbolic of the fact of the absence of the presence of God. And so darkness in the Bible, it was a dark time, can speak of, I lost the sense of God's presence. It was dark for me. And it can mean literally a dark time. But of course, the first thing that God did when the Spirit of God was hovering over the water, He said, let there be light. Isn't it amazing? Because God creates in light. Isn't that right? And then God started the creation, and it was only like third or fourth day when the sun and the moon appeared, but God Himself is the light. So He started something new and fresh long before there was even a physical sun and a moon in stars. Is that good? And so it's a period of, you know, without God's presence. And it can also be a time of pain and confusion. There are people who have written um, essays about the dark night of the soul. How many of you have had a dark night of the soul? I've had a few of them. <laughs> a dark night of the soul where things are tough, tough. And it's like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, you realize there's a train coming head on for you <laughs> when you thought there was hope. But the dark night of the soul, many of the Bible characters had dark nights of the soul. Jesus himself and Isaiah prophetically describes the dark nights of the soul for Jesus in Isaiah 53 when he talks about, you know, prophetically how he was cut off. He was numbered amongst the transgressors. He was wounded for our iniquity, bruised and chastised for us. And so it was a, it was a moment of darkness for him. Jesus himself lost the sense of the presence of God. He entered into our darkness. And so darkness can mean that, uh, well, Psalm 112 verse 4, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Woo-woo, the dark night of the soul. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Darkness can speak of the lack of opportunity, or light can speak of opportunity. So in John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, Jesus was looking ahead to the cross, and he was saying, this healing that I'm doing, these miracles that I'm this coming a time, basically, when peace will be taken from the earth, that was him. For Jesus, the light of the world would be taken away. And he was saying, I can't work then. I mean, of course, he could afterwards. But there are times where there are opportunities, and for you, that's daytime. And so Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So... It can also mean a time of no revelation where it feels like God is not speaking. You know, First Samuel chapter 1, the lamp of God had almost gone out. It was just flickering like there was no word of God. There was no vision. It was rare. Is that okay? Am I talking your language? So remember, this is a prophetic word. So the lamp of God had almost gone out. And of course, it's also times of evil and sin. It's very interesting, poignant language, penned by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, Judas just has agreed to betray Jesus. Satan enters him. Jesus sets up the little test, you know, the next person to dip the bread, that's the one. And the moment he does it and Jesus gives him the bread, Satan enters his heart. The Bible records it in John, and Judas went out, and it was night. So darkness can be a demonic time. I've had plenty of those, you know, where everything around you is hard and dark and oppressive and you're, you know, you're in a dire situation. So it can be evil. When they came to arrest Jesus, Judas and the temple guard, Jesus said, oh, this is your time when it's dark. Because Jesus worked in the day, in the light, okay? And that's why, you know, he's the light of the world. Come on, we are children of the light. And so it can be that demonic time, the demonic thing. And so the key verse that I want to give you this morning, the background is everything that we've been experiencing and listening to and hearing these past couple of months. And um, the impact is continuing. And, and, you know, this is not a place for bad news. 
This is a place for good news, church. Amen. But I was just watching on ENCA that Heineken has shut down. And, uh, you know, because they've lost, and, you know, because I think they've lost your support. <laughs> I'm teasing. Because it's not your support. You haven't been supporting them. But the amazing thing is you hear sectors of the, you know, South Africa that is booming. And there are some business, and we praise God for it, and others that have taken, you know, a real bashing. And, um, you know, the hospitality, the tourism industry, the, the air industry, and Salisha as well has been affected by it. And, and Wayne, you know, he, he just sent me a message this morning, and I'm so excited that um, what I said to you, Wayne, who flies with one of the airlines that's been shut down and also been put under business rescue, and uh, he was paid off. And I've been just spending time with him, encouraging, and I, I said to him a little while ago, soon and very soon, you're going to get a interview. He's going for an interview this week, and they've been offered a, with, with another airline. He just sent me a message, now please pray for me because I'm so nervous. So I've replied to him and said, you're going to get it. Don't worry. Amen. And then somebody else messaged me, and they said, my husband's going for a job interview. He has two job interviews this week. So come on, church. There is light for us. So with that in mind, I want to just talk to you about there's been this period of darkness. But whenever in the Bible we see the dark night of the soul, Whenever we see this be night, woo, there's a promise. And this is our key verse, Psalm 30 and verse 5. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Amen. Weeping may stay for the night, woo, but rejoicing comes in the morning. What do you say? Good morning. Good morning. When does rejoicing come? In the morning. Come on, church. I absolutely believe this with all of my heart that we're entering into a good morning time in the dealings of God in the response of God to what has happened come on church you've prayed millions of Christians have been praying all over the world uh, there are many many Christians who've locked themselves away in fasting and prayer under the direction of the Holy Spirit and they are praying for not only this nation but for the world and God is responding do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? Even now it springs forth. You know, weeping came with the night. But I'm telling you now by the Spirit of God that joy is coming because of this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to preach this message to put it out in the spiritual realm. Whenever God did something, He first put His Word out. God said, let there be, let there be. So this morning I'm saying, let there be a new day. Let this be a new time. Let this be a new day dawning for all of us and for all believers and for the world. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So morning, biblically, morning is a time to begin the normal activities and duties of life. Morning is also a special time for spiritual commitment. Come on, you got to hear me. I'm trying to measure everything I'm saying. You need to hear with the ears of the Spirit. Is that okay? And that is, it's a time for special commitment. Biblically, and I did a study on it. I went through pages and pages and pages of notes, and I tried to boil it down into a short sermon. I didn't do a good job, so that's, but that's okay. And in the morning, biblically, morning is God's time. Not that you give Him time. It's God's time when He starts to do something. Morning is God's time. Come on, everybody say, it. morning is God's time. Everybody say, good morning. Come on, morning is God's time. It's opportunity for human achievement is during the working hours. But the special emphasis in the Bible, it draws our attention to the fact that in the mornings, God starts working. Amen. We read it now in Psalm 30, verse 5. If morning is the time for routine action, in the Bible it is also the most customary time for special events to occur, especially events laden with spiritual significance, says one theologian. Just in case you didn't believe me. I just was adding weight by quoting some guy. can't remember his name. So the significance of mourning in the Bible. Are you, all, are you getting something? Yes. I hope you're getting encouraged, but I just want to speak something prophetically, but you need to respond this morning. And your first and initial response must be, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are 
Lord, I believe. See, if we believe, so 200 times in the Old Testament alone, there's references to the morning, to the morning, to the morning, to the morning. Can you believe it? I didn't believe it. Just The Holy Spirit just whispered it in my heart Friday somewhere around there. And he said, it's a new morning. And I started to study. And I was going like, good morning. It's morning. So it's God's time. It's God's time. So let me see if I can explain this. Um, let's have a look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 5. And then I'll read it. And then I'll see if I can explain it. All of these verses, there's no time to put it in its context, and I'm just trusting that maybe you'll go back and review it and then go and read the context, okay? But in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord within her is righteous. That's within his people, within the city that makes up his people. He does no wrong. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to log into our minds. God is righteous and he does no wrong. It's amazing that we almost have a default like that dear sister, you know, who thought because she fell under the power and got injured that somehow God was angry with her. Yeah, I'm angry with the ashes. Fortunately, it wasn't in our church, okay? But the Lord within you is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning. Woo! Everybody say good morning. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justice. And every new day, he does not fail Yet the unrighteous knows no shame. Now, you put it in context. This is what it means. Is that morning by morning, God is dispensing his judgment. That judgment has got two sides to it, like a coin. On the one side, the positive side of his judgment, he's making judgments concerning the righteous. Is that okay? I will vindicate you. I will stick up for you. I will fight for you. I will restore you. I will bless you. Because of what the wicked are doing that affects us. You know what I'm saying? And so in the morning, God dresses himself up as a warrior, as a mighty man of war, as the judge. And he says, right, there needs to be vindication and judgment for my righteous people. And whether they know it or not, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, because they continue without any shame, God is dispensing his justice against the wicked. The time will come. You know, um, with all the stuff going on about who's responsible for the COVID and who's making money out of it and whatever, you know, the thing that Bev said to me, she said, do they not understand, do they not even acknowledge, is it not even in their brains that there is a God and they will be held accountable? And I said, no, unfortunately they don't. There's the verse, without shame. But the time will come. So God is dispensing justice. You know, if he's withholding and nothing happens, it's because of his patience. It's because of his mercy for them to come to repentance. Isn't that right? And so, you know, so morning is the time. Morning is the time. So when morning comes, I want you to understand. When you got up this morning, God was dispensing justice. Positively for you. Negatively for the world. Negatively for the wicked. Is that okay? Does God hate them? No, He doesn't hate them. They can also turn and come under the positive judgment of God. There's plenty of scriptures for it. I won't take the time to go. But Jeremiah the prophet, over and over and over again, he talks about the fact that every morning God would get up and He would send out His voice, yes, through the prophets. But whenever one of the prophets got up, and they by nature would also get up early, they would get up and then start prophesying to people. Jeremiah is saying that actually it was God getting up early, and every morning God was sending out His Word. Every morning God was speaking to a people who would not listen. But the fact of the matter, in His mercy, God was getting up every morning to speak. And Jeremiah 7 verse 13 says, And now because you have done all these works, said the Lord, and I spake unto you, Rising up early and speaking, but you heard not, and I called you, but you answered not. So the fact, the point that I'm trying to get across is every morning God gets up and God's speaking. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So that's why often when you wake up in the morning, God's speaking. He goes like, I was awake before you. Amen. And he's up and he's going like, and God is speaking, and God is speaking, and God is speaking. And if we'll hear, we listen, God will speak to us. Is that okay? 
And so His Word is going out. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. So I don't want you to lose the context of this prophetic word, is that a new day has broken. We're in the morning. And if you will pay attention, God is speaking vindicating words for you. God is speaking restoration words for you. And that's why I believe we've seen a surge in the miracles, in the healings, just in the last period of time in the lockdown. This particular period of lockdown, we've seen more healings and miracles than any other time. Why is it? Because God is speaking. God is saying the thing that's really difficult for you, you can't make a plan for your healing. It's very difficult. But if I take the initiative and do it, then how much more do I want to do something for you financially or restoratively or some other way? So come on, church. We need to take note of these things. God is speaking. It's a new day. So it's also up to us now. You know, there was that it was a, a movie called Dead Poets Society, and they, they would read this poem, and they would speak about it a lot. But Carbert then sees the day. Come on, church, we need to maximize the moment. If we believe this is a word, we need to maximize this moment. We need to position ourselves. There's a sense in which we need to rise early. Come on, everybody, say good morning. Good morning. So good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, but are you guys hearing me? Am I making sense to you? This should have actually been the message last week, and last week's message should have been this week. So it's part one, part two, okay? The new fresh anointing is a new anointing for a new day. And so we've got to understand that we need to position ourselves and give priority to the spiritual. Um, of course, he preached a beautiful message this morning about the kingdom, the unseen. And he was talking about the fact, isn't it amazing, that everybody in the world bar a few people who've got the microscopes, are all responding to this invisible force. We're all wearing masks. We're keeping distance. We're not going to work. We're doing all of these kind of things. Much of the world is in absolute fear and panic. It's had a knock-on effect. I mean, it's just been, it's wreaked havoc, and not one of us have actually seen the virus. Governments haven't seen the virus. Maybe one or two, you know, they've gone and looked under the microscope, and, you know, ENCA puts that little thing, you know, rotating over there and things like that, and so... You know, we've seen it via. But isn't it amazing? Those same people who call themselves atheists cannot believe in God because they say we can't see Him. But they've adjusted their whole lives to an invisible thing. Come on, church. We need to adjust our whole lives to the invisible God because He's true and because He's real. So we need to give priority to the particular moment that we're in and give priority to spiritual and so, in keeping with the fact that biblically, now I'm not saying that you, if you're a night person, I'm not saying now start waking up at four or five o'clock in the morning. That's my time, and that's easy for me to do, and I prefer that time. But some people are owls. I'm a sparrow, you know. So that's me. So, but basically, just understand the biblical symbolism that in keeping with it, if God is rising early, church, come on. If God is awakening at this time because it's a new day, we need to respond. And so, you know, it seemed like it was Job's regular practice to rise early. You know, he had sons and his daughters, and the Bible actually says in the first few verses that often what used to happen, it seemed like they were a close-knit family, that the sons, when they had birthdays, would invite their sisters around, and they would have a birthday bash and a festival and a feast. And the Bible says in Job chapter 1 verse 5 that when, when the feast was over, Job would rise early in the morning, and the indication is that this was his habit. And he would go and make a sacrifice, and he would say to himself, just in case they sinned without knowing it, and he would offer a sacrifice for his children. But that was his practice in the morning, to offer up worship and to offer up sacrifices. In other words, he responded appropriately to the moment, to the time. Come on, we're in a new day. And, and, you know, the Lord will show us how to respond. Each one of us may be a little bit in, uh, differently. But it was Joshua's custom. Over and over again, early in the morning, early in the morning, early in the morning. You know, it was early in the morning when they crossed over the river. Early in the morning. They could have done it later in the day. But Joshua was like, no, 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 this is a new day. We're going to enter the promises of God. And so he gave priority to it. And we can go on and on and on. David, it is fitting to thank the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Sovereign One. Listen to this. It is fitting to proclaim your loyal love in the morning and your faithfulness during the night. You know, if you're singing about his loyal covenant, hesed, chasing you down love all day starting in the morning, it's easy in the night to go, God, you're faithful. 
when it's dark. God, you're faithful. You're going to get me through this. Amen? Because sorrow and weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, O God, you're my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You could easily take all of that symbolism and change it and say, it was dark. But in the darkness, my soul was thirsting for you. Now, um, years ago, what they did was they got hold of the Hebrew text of the Bible, and 70 scholars got together and they translated it into the Greek. And that translation is called the Septuagint. Now, the Septuagint translates this verse because it's pulling out derivatives of words, and they've accurately translated as this. And he says, O God, my God, to approach thee, I rise early. We need to respond to the time that we're in. Come on. Heaviness of heart, depression, moaning and groaning and complaining is not the appropriate response for this time. I'm saying it with all of the love, but with all of the sincerity, with all of the boldness that I can. It's not a time to whinge, whine, moan, or anything like that. My son phoned me the other day and said, Dad, he says, just in case you think you're having a tough time. And uh, he said, I'll tell you this little story. So, you know, I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry when he told me the story. But one of his wife's clients, um, she's a kinesiologist. She has treated him in the past. And he's a director, co-owner, whatever, of a company that services golf courses nationwide. Nationwide. They employ thousands of people. And they take care of the golf courses. And it's all high-tech, high-end you know, the golfers, you know, everything, you know, the length of the grass, you know, determining the speed and the direction of the ball and whatever, whatever. And just before lockdown, the company is flying. They're doing so well. They were about to sign a contract to sell the business for $800 million. And within a few weeks, lockdown came and their contracts nationwide were canceled. And when Bianca bumped into him the other day, they are millions in debt from potentially an $800 million rand sale. So Daniel said to me, Dad, I said, no, I feel good. <laughs> I said, I feel, I feel okay. I'm, I've come through this unscathed, you know. And I'm sorry for people who've gone through that. But this is my inclination. This is my feelings, my sense in the spirit that those kind of people are entrepreneurs. And they're going to get that back. And I believe there's going to be a restoration. I believe for any Christian who's lost anything, there's going to be a restoration. Amen? We need to keep our ear close to the ground, and we need to have an appropriate response to God. Because, listen, you've got nothing when you get down and depressed. You find it difficult to hear God. The thing that we need to do is appropriately respond, keep our language positive, keep our hearts up, and keep our minds going. Is that okay? So he says, Oh God, my God, to approach thee, I rise early. Not only worship, but prayer. The morning served for many of the Bible characters as the set time to prioritize seeking God, seeking His presence in prayer. And David was one of those and said this in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. In the morning. So let's take it out of a, a physical time thing. Let's put it into the spiritual context. Let's put it into, this is a prophetic word where it's morning. It's a good morning. It's a new day. What must my response be? Besides worship, it must be prayer. God, you're going to hear my voice in this particular time. You're going to hear my voice. And I'm going to look up to see what God is going to say to me. Is that okay? And so we need to be like that. The Bible, the prophets knew this. And so a new opportunity comes in the mornings then to recall God's mercies and protection. David said, Psalm 59 verse 16, I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. Everybody say in the morning. Can you believe? And I've left out probably 90% of the verses. In the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. So in the day of my trouble, it's now gone through the night. Weeping lasted for a night. I started to remember his favor is for a lifetime, even though mourning and weeping is for a night. And joy comes with the morning. So I start to remember his mercy in the morning because you were with me yesterday in the day of my travel. Is that okay? Come on. COVID's going to go past. You know, for me, what I often do 
is when I'm going through a hard time, and I, you know, I, I sometimes, I know it's very difficult for you to believe. I know. You look at your pastor. He's so holy. I know that. And you think, I can't believe that he lost his cool or, you know, got upset or, you know. And I don't want to disappoint you, but there's times when I do. There's times. And, you know, I got tired of, after the battle, thinking back on the battle and being disappointed in my reaction and going, God brought me through. Look, here I am. And I was like, why did I lose it? I mean, he's brought me through so many things. It's good to remember the day of my trouble and go, thank you, Jesus, I'm through. I don't want to ever go through it again. But thank you for your mercy during that time. Morning, morning by morning, I will sing of your love, sing of your mercy. Am I making sense? So the prayer for new opportunity to find direction for the tasks of the day. It's so amazing. And I've listened to many of your testimonies. And uh, many stories of many people in ACF. And it's just been a real blessing to renew a friendship with someone who used to be in this church and for some reason or the other stopped coming and just reconnecting, and, but reconnecting on a spiritual level. And, um, you know, also walked with him through the loss of business. Um, you know, his wife died of a terrible disease and, and things like that. And... But just a renewed connection, and I'm sensing something, there's something different in the relationship. But something is happening, and um, for it's like it's a new day. <laughs> it's like it's a new day, amen? And I just want to encourage you that there's new opportunities, and in a moment, you know, God can change things for you. But we need to be in the place as much as we can in our hearts that when it presents we can seize it, okay? So new opportunities to find direction for the day. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. It's interesting how over and over again the Bible talks about don't lift your soul up to an idol, you know? So don't present your soul to an idol. So here David says, I present my soul to God. Every morning I present my soul. Wow, for provision. It's also interesting, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave, you know, and he said, pray this prayer. And part of that prayer was, give us today our daily bread. The implication in that word today is this morning. Because you need the bread in the morning, (laughs) not at the end of the day, you know. For us, you know, God says first thing in the morning. I don't know if you ever noticed in the Old Testament when God started to feed the manna, it was fresh every Every morning, fresh. Go up in the morning. Those that left it a little late, it wasn't there. So he gave them manna from heaven. So this is what the psalmist says. As for me, I will sing about your strength. I'll praise your loyal, faithful love in the morning. For you are my refuge and my place of shelter when I face trouble. You are my source of strength. I will sing praise to you. For God is my refuge, the God who loves me. So it's a new day. It's a new day for spiritual growth. It's a new day for spiritual insight. I love what Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 19 to 26 says. Everyone say, it says this, this I, from verse 19. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. But before that, he says, I remember my infliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. <laughs> In other words, I mean, it just sounds really bad, eh? This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His mercies, His compassions, fail not. They are? They are new every... Come on, everybody say, good morning. Come on, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. So there's a great well-known hymn writer who responded to those verses, and he wrote to him, and that hymn says, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, 
New mercies I see. So that's it. Morning by morning. Great is your faithfulness. So when you woke up this morning, God woke up ahead of you. When you woke up this morning, God had already issued decrees and judgment in your favor. When you woke up this morning, God was saying, there's new mercy for today. Okay, that's a physical morning. But a spiritual morning, even more so. Okay? We're going to see something change, something happen, something powerful, something awesome. So in it is guidance when crucial decisions were to be made on important activities from Abraham to Moses, all through the judges, the kings, they would all get up early and seek God for wisdom and direction. Come on, we're in a moment, church. I don't know how better to say it. It blessed me in the preparation. I'm so excited about it. You know, it's like I, I can't wait for tomorrow because it's like, oh, Jesus, I want to hear. I want to see what it is that you're going to do. And I'm sensing it already. In response to visions, we need to rise early. There was the story of Jacob. You know, he saw the ladder from earth to heaven, angels ascending and descending. In other words, what he was seeing, you know, in the natural, he was running from his brother Esau. In the natural, he was probably in the worst place ever in his life. He'd been caught out as a conniver, got the birthright, got the blessing. Now he was about to get his brother's wrath on top of it. And uh, his brother would have strangled him, you know, and then stabbed him and then probably chopped his head off and and something else. I don't know. But he's running. He's in the worst place. And God reveals himself to him. And he sees this, this incredible vision. And angels ascending and descending. God saying, I, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> in his worst time. And when he wakes up in the morning, he says, God is in this place. Listen, it wasn't only that God was in the place. God was in the moment. It was a morning for Jacob. It was the beginning of a new day. <laughs> it was the beginning of a new time. So in the morning, he wakes up, takes up his pillow, which was a stone, and he anoints it with oil, changes the name of the place from Bloods to Bethel, and he says, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. And he comes back to that spot years later, and he puts up the same stone, anoints it with oil, and this time he pours wine over it as well to remember and remind himself, but in the morning. In the morning, it's time to get fresh vision, church. It's time to respond to this time and say, God, your promises. It's time for us to anoint a memorial and say, well, you brought us. That's why you're going to take us further. Like Samuel did when they defeated the Philistines. He also put up a stone and he anointed with oil and he called it Ebenezer. And he says, thus far as the Lord helped us. And never again did the Philistines attack during his whole ministry. And so we need to respond to vision. Mourning symbolized a new or fresh beginning. Now, maybe nothing has changed for you during this pandemic. Maybe it's continued as normal. But I want to tell you that there's coming a new freshness on what you're doing now. There's coming something new. God is breathing something new. God is releasing His Spirit in a new way. Mark my words, because you'll come back to me and you're going to tell me you were right. And I will say, I know. And so it's a new time. It's a new, it's something new. It's really interesting that when God created the earth, this is the way he revealed himself to Job in uh, Job 38 verses 47. When God said to him, you know, because Job was offering God advice on his condition. And God was going like, no, no, you got it wrong. <laughs> no, no, you got it wrong. And then God says to him, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He says, tell me if you possess understanding. Who set its measurements, if you know? Or who stretched a measuring line across it? Or... On what were its bases set, its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang in chorus, the sons of God or the angels, and he says, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, where were you when I created this physical earth? In the morning, while the angels sang, I created. The implication is that God is creating something new now, and the angels are singing because of this new thing that is being birthed. And when I say that, it's because of, if you go through the New Testament, you will see that when, and I mentioned it right at the beginning, when God said, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous, the implication is, and it's connected to that, first creation, second creation. And you part of the second creation reality. Is that okay? And he was saying, the angels sang when Jesus came to die on the cross, which they did. They appeared to the shepherds, hosts of angels singing heaven. What they were witnessing was God was saying, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth, <laughs> the home of the righteous. Amen? Amen? And so there's a new thing that 
is happening. And so it symbolizes a new beginning. So God is creating something new. Secondly, one of the things that we often, and I think it's because of the kind of preaching and teaching, expository teaching that we've had, and they've maybe omitted an aspect of Jesus' role as an intercessor. But do you know that every morning God is interceding for you? God himself is praying for you. It tells us in Romans 8, the Spirit makes intercession for the saints. God is praying. Every morning, God is praying for us. And I think it is Psalm 30. Thou hast turned my, for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O God. And then there's another one. I'm just, um, for the sake of time, um, wanting to finish. But there's a, another psalm that extremely blessed me when I read it. And uh, it's Psalm 49. In Psalm 49, the psalmist talks about it. It says, The godly will rule over them when the day of vindication comes. The upright, the godly, will rule over them in the morning. I want to just repeat that. I believe that there's going to be a divine reversal. Remember the judgment that I spoke about? I believe there's going to be a divine reversal. Yes, there is wickedness going on in high places. Yes. Yes, there is plottings and maneuverings. Yes, there is. Yeah, there are people trying to manipulate world currencies. Yes, there is. They're wicked, evil people. They're driven by greed and desire to control. But that's happened right from after the Garden of Eden. That's happened right through history. See it in our own nation. We see it in every nation. We see it globally. Is there a deep state? Is there a, you know, what are these other people? Illuminati? Is there? Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. And they're trying to pull the strings. But this is what David said. This was his experience. This is what something he was prophetically speaking ahead of. And he was saying in that psalm, the day is coming when God will switch it. Where the righteous are always on the bottom end of the pile. The righteous are always getting the short end of the situation. And David's saying, there's coming a day. Because God is not mocked when there'll be a divine reversal. And maybe we've all experienced it in small ways in our lives. But there's coming a time when God is going to redress the balance. Where God is going to change, you know, the fortunes of Israel, the Bible says. And, you know, there was a day when the people of God were the most prosperous people on the earth. But something changed from David's time. Something changed from Solomon's time. Something's changed even, you know, in countries around the world where they were godly and God-fearing and they were prosperous and where even the governments were on the side of the churches. In other words, if you tithe, you got a tax rebate. Now they're trying to squeeze, you know, every last cent out of you. You know what I'm saying? Because that was the way of the government saying, you know, we reinforce the churches. We support the churches. We believe in the community of faith, the Christians. You know? And so there's going to be a divine reversal. The godly will rule over them when the, when the day of vindication comes, when the morning comes. New direction. And then I'm closing. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That to me is such a blessing. The morning the morning will bring you word of his unfailing love. I don't know about you, but oh, I was preparing this. I, the whole time I'm preparing, I'm going, Jesus, I'm listening. Jesus, I'm responding. I'm ready. You know, come on, let's go for it. Let's, let's get this day going, you know. But we need to respond and we need to listen because the morning is going to bring the word of his unfailing love. Now, I just, the thing that I want to close with is this. It's so powerful, this whole thing, about the new day, so powerful. We have verses for it that actually describes this time, this era, the Christian era, the grace era. It describes it aptly for us who are Christians. But within it, we can all have new days and new mornings. And so in Numbers 24, verse 17, there's the story of Balaam. 
King Balak comes and he sees the people of Israel coming. And they, I mean, he can see the glory cloud and he can see, yeah, they're coming. And the stories have already come to him about how God has wiped out every nation. <laughs> they try to stand in the way. And yeah, they come. And I mean, you must see the description when Balaam goes and positions not first place, second place, third place. And he's checking the people of Israel. And he's going like, man, they're like blessed and tense. And the hand of God is on them. It's like waters. And it's just like, I mean, when he looked into the spiritual realm, all he saw was blessing. And Balak is saying, I'll, just give, I'll give you anything. I'll give you anything. I just don't want them to come here because they're so blessed. That's how wicked nations used to fear the people of God. Not because they were intimidating with swords and everything, but because of the glory of God. And Balaam looks and he tries to curse and he goes, man, I can't curse you. No, I can't do it. So Balaam increases the purse size, you know. And he says, go and stand over here. Maybe you'll see something different. He goes and stands over there. No, no, they still look blessed. Third time, and he goes, Mm-mm, I can't. And then suddenly he says, I'm not resorting to sorcery anymore. And he starts to prophesy this incredible prophetic word over the people. And when he looks up, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Shem prophesying Jesus centuries before so here come the wise men what were they following we've seen his they were reading that prophecy when they heard a king is being born in Israel they're going the star so they followed the star so Peter says in 2nd Peter chapter 1 beautiful passage of scripture. He said, we were with him on the mountain. We were with him. We saw the brightness and the glory and the splendor of his coming. In other words, when he was manifest in the human body of Jesus, the glory. He said, we were there on the sacred mount. And Peter says, you will do well to pay attention to every prophecy until the morning star rises in your heart. The star that the wise men followed, the star that Balaam prophesied, the star, the bright and morning star signifies the sun. Come on, church. The sun is it's rising. He says, you do well to pay attention to it like a light in the dark place. And he goes on to describe how it's going to get ever brighter. Because the morning star suddenly is not the morning star anymore. It's the sun rising into the fullness of day. Pay attention to it. Very interesting. But um, Jesus says these words and John is writing them down in the book of Revelation. He's writing them down. And uh, Jesus says this. I want you to write this to that church. If they overcome, I will give them the morning star. And then, in the Gospel of Luke, he talks about those who've been sitting in, a, in darkness, a great dark, or darkness, or gross darkness, like first creation. He says, a light has risen. There's been the dawning of a light. You're saying it's a new day. So, and he spoke about the day spring. The day spring. The springing of the day. Now, isn't it awesome that um, I believe, you know, that the thing that the Lord is doing in the broader biblical context, but within it, um, as a particular time, the day has dawned of a new day. It is a good morning. We need to respond appropriately there's going to be new things breaking out, new business, new ways of business. There's going to be all kinds of things. There's an incubation that has been happening during this COVID time of genius. There's an incubation that has been happening of business ideas. God has been incubating things. It's really amazing. I was watching on ENCA, and it, and it was last night. I took a pause, and I switched on. Here's this young 18-year-old South African guy during this lockdown period working on his computer, and he's been taking x-rays of people with pneumonia, 
and he's developed a program that doctors will be able to test you and within seconds tell you whether you have pneumonia or not. 18-year-old boy. Come on, everybody say 18 years old. Come on, everybody say genius. Say discovery. I believe that we're in a new day, and there's things like that that exponentially greater are going to happen. We're going to see God move. For me, what I'm, concern, I'm concerned about all of those things, but I'm concerned about seeing people saved, people healed, people filled, people delivered, people coming into the kingdom. It's a new day. Amen. So what is our response? So Proverbs says, the path of the righteous is like the light. Of dawn. Come on, I, I'm going to read that again. <laughs> this is my closing. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The path of the righteous, the path, the direction of the righteous, is like the light of dawn that grows brighter and brighter until full day has broken. Amen. The light of dawn. The light of dawn. Everybody say, good morning. Good morning. I just want you to respond right now. I want you to respond in your heart. Um, the initial is faith. And respond. Just like when Mary, when the angel came and said, bring you good news. And I'm bringing you, this is an amazing thing. And God gave her, you know, the prophetic word through the angel Gabriel. And her initial response was, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That's when the conception of Jesus took place, the instant she believed. When does it become a new day for you that tangibly, manifestly will happen is with the response of faith. Amen. So I want you just to talk to the Lord and say, God, I want to thank you. It's a new day. I'm excited. I'm so excited. You know, I think I'm more excited than all of you put together with this message. So, so, uh, so amen. God, I want to thank you. Father, it's a new day. It's a new time. Lord, I want to thank you that the morning star has risen, the day spring. Father, I want to thank you that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the full day, the full sun has risen. And Lord, I want to thank you for your hand of blessing upon your people, all of ACF, all the friends of ACF, everybody who attends ACF. We pray for our country, for our government. We pray for this nation. God, when we look, Lord, our hope is challenged. But Father, we're not, we're looking beyond that. We're looking beyond the physical. We're looking to you, O oh Lord. God, would you heal our land? Would you heal our nation? God, would you do something um, of reviving power? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for it, for ACF as a whole, for this church as a whole, for the believers in this nation as a whole, for South Africa within the continent, the continent within the world. And Lord, every nation, every continent, God, would you bless? Would you do something? Lord, would you pour out your spirit in fresh anointing? Lord, we need a fresh anointing for a new day. A new anointing for a new day. Father, in Jesus' name. We all agreed and said, Amen. Amen.